Hey everybody, welcome back to the Making It in Music podcast series, also now a YouTube series since we launched our own YouTube channel this week. Thank you guys so much for coming here. I'm your host, Heather. A shout out first and foremost to our lovely sponsors at the Dublin School of Music. Hope you and the family are doing well, Craig. Miss you loads. Um, I am absolutely de delighted to announce that today I have on with me the wonderful James Byrne. Hi, James. Hello, Heather. Thanks for having me. <laughs> For those who don't know this incredibly humble man, um, James is basically the embodiment of what making it music is about. Not only does he have multiple fingers in pies, he's a few toes in pies too. Um, he's the owner and manager of any other city records. Besides that, uh, you're, you've been a radio DJ, you've been a promoter, you've been a lecturer. And on top of all that, the cherry on top of the cake, you are a very skilled drummer who has played with the likes of Don't, Don't, Shh. Wrong that back in. I believe that you're a skilled drummer. I believe yeah, you're a skilled drummer. So, yeah, I guess And you played with so. the likes of Villagers and most recently Soak. You're playing a lot with Soak now. Um, I cannot wait to just go through your whole career and just pick it apart. And very, very excited. Uh, James Byrne is also a past lecturer of mine. So it's very fun to actually True. dive into your brain. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, to hear about all the ins and outs of your life outside of college. I can't wait to talk to you all about this, but first and foremost, how are you doing? Yeah, it's obviously for everyone's in the same boat. It's a strange situation, mm -hmm. but it is, it's giving a, I think it's giving everyone an opportunity to kind of stop for a second, have a think and maybe tidy bits of their lives together. And, yeah. you know, my house has never been, well, tidier, but even just like yesterday, I spent three hours reorganizing all my vinyl little things like that just little and it's things nice for to, you. to reconnect with friends that you you always say you're going to ring and talk to and you never do and then you have time to do it and i don't think i've spoken to my family this amount in the last few days as i have the last couple of weeks so it's lovely it's it's been um obviously everyone's worried overall as to what's going on in the world and i've got a, a brother living in america so i'm extra worried because of what's happening over there but mm. um just it's just uh, sometimes when life just slows down gives you a chance to have a, a think about stuff mm. and prioritize things a bit better and yeah i think we're doing okay i think as a country we're handling it well enough and everyone's playing their part i think and yeah we'll see we just gotta we just gotta wait it out patience mm. is a virtue how are like how are you are you spending this time kind of just really as you said, you have, you're very involved in multiple different projects within the yeah. Irish music industry. So you're kind of using this time to kind of just look at them all and try to schedule yourself out again. And just be like, okay, this is actually what the year yeah. is or what it might be. Because you're already now doing Yeah, we, we kind of are because we've got, there's one record I'm, I'm working with at the moment, a band, and their album is pretty much finished. And we're just making plans and put it out later in the year. But we just have to, everything's kind of slow down a bit and, and, trying to be a bit more strategic with picking dates and the stuff we can finish from artwork side and, and find little kind of tweaks on mixes and stuff, which is fine, but um, not completely knowing exactly when everything will be back to normal. It's an issue. I think every band is kind of going through this moment. When are we going to mm. announce things? When are we going to launch things? Gigs are being postponed. Festivals are being cancelled. It's, uh, it's the shock of that plus the unknowingness of when will things go back to normal and when they do. <laughs> How comfortable are people going to be in a room together? You know, who's going to want to go to gigs in September, October if they still feel like there's a risk out there? Yeah. Is that going to put pay to everything? Or will people just be like, no, I want to get out of my house. Let's go do stuff. So we're trying to, trying to kind of line up the time on that side of things. For one of the bands I'm working with, for my own playing and stuff, 
uh, we're kind of in a weird way lucky that Soak and uh, Bridie is we're kind of not touring at the moment. The last record came out went really well. Lots of touring last year, and then now she's she's she lives in Brighton, so she's in Brighton at the moment working on new stuff. Um, and amazing demos that we keep hearing, and they're amazing. So we may make a record in the summertime at some point potentially, all being well, and then that could come out. I don't know at some time whenever records come out. So that so we're not I'm not we're not I'm not missing any gigs or anything playing. Um, just missing the missing Brody, missing Tommy and, and Sophie, the people in in the band I play with. So staying in touch with them, and then from BAM, obviously I'm still lecturing in BAM. So we've been doing our teaching remotely, uh, which has actually worked out okay. And right. through through like software, we're we're looking in that the students take their education very seriously. So they're engaging with us um, remotely, and as are the tutors, and as is BAM, try, we're trying to make it work as best as we can. And I think it is. Do you think many? Yeah bands especially young bands that you probably like come across loads and bims do you think that many that will be using this time to just make sure they have something made to release for the summer like would oh you... god i hope so i hope to, i mean that goes for every band goes for all bands you can tell i mean if some bands especially bands in dublin mm-hmm. most bands have to work when they're not playing i mean it's not a full-time thing so mm-hmm. the fact that they're now away from work and they've got extra time in their hands i would hope that they kind of ambitious and constructive bands are using that time smartly yeah. and trying to write some stuff and trying to finish projects and they're not just kind of lolling about and i know from experience few people i know are and some people aren't so we'll see i mean it's it's you, you can only do so much like you can't really rehearse with your band members remotely yeah. properly so if they're at home if people are at home kind of writing writing and demoing which is which would be great if they're working on video content which would be great uh, social media a lot of a lot of acts kind of putting out kind of a uh, live streams live streams which is great as well and it's we're seeing that actually music fans are engaging with that which is really healthy it's it's the first time probably for a lot of music fans that they've actively watched live stream shows because they have to mm. and the shows uh, there's like a huge kind of uptake in that and and um, with the kind of streaming software so maybe going forward and things going to go back to normal this will now play a big part in fans lives even more so i was thinking that because one thing that coldplay announced before any of this happened was that they weren't going to tour their most recent album because yeah. of the impact on climate change uh, yeah. the impact it would take on the on the planet of them traveling all over the place because they do world tours they are everywhere and that i think that this whole thing with the live streaming now not only will maybe coldplay do their gigs now as live streams but which is a good way to go but i think a lot of other artists who maybe can't afford to tour will start doing yeah. live streaming gigs like paid gigs but live streaming like that you can be on the other side of the world and be in your favorite artist's kitchen you know absolutely absolutely i mean i guarantee you obviously like aeg and live nation those kind of companies are now actively trying to work oh, yeah. this into their business model i like the fact that a lot of like people like um I guess like Michael McDonald <laughs> classic from the Doobie Brothers is doing amazing streams just for the sake of it. And then people like Ben Gibbard from Death Cab are using using it um, to raise money for charity, which is amazing. I mean, kind of more altruistic reasons to do it. And it isn't just, we can't tour, so let's make money doing this. Mm. I don't know how, I, I'd be interested to see when it came to actually buying tickets to, for a live stream if people would, because it isn't the same as being at a gig. It's like 50% is good or 40% is good. And that's maybe something you wouldn't pay for. But if it means, you know, you can engage with your, the, engage with this, the artist and send them a message and then they play a request and 
it looks good and it sounds good and mm. Yeah, for the next two, three months for sure, this is going to have to be how it's going to be. I'm enjoying watching some streams. I've got friends who are doing it, and it's working really well. I've got a friend who lives in L.A. called, uh, called Luke, uh, Luke Sital Singh is a, a songwriter. I play with the odd time. I've uh, played on his records and stuff. He's incredibly talented. So he's, it's a real kind of showcase for his voice mm. and his playing, and he's doing it in his beautiful kind of sunlit American L.A. kind of bungalow house. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. And they they sound lovely and they look really lovely. And then um, there's a couple of other like the the, the Mary Walloper guys up in the dock have been, did a big kind of they built a pub in their in their house and they did a session and they're like legit talented. Those guys can really play, really sing. They really know the songs. They really know that kind of music well. Mm -hmm. And there's a lovely kind of charm to that. The kind of charm you get watching them live. So you're not losing anything really. You're just not in the room with them. But could something be coming out of this that? Like I was saying before, that like being in a live, watching a live session is completely different to being there at a gig. Yeah. But the whole thing of being able to interact and make requests, could this whole pandemic open up a new gateway of like almost another side of the music industry that maybe companies starting like being doing professional live streaming and then maybe that will stop on touting because if you have to sign up for a live stream and then you can't go to it all you do is you take your name off the list and then someone else gets to put their name forward you get re so it's kind of stopping the whole idea of people handing in between tickets it's if you're going to a live stream you're on the list and you can't go your name's taken off it yeah. so you've kind of opened it up more that now this is more fan-based like oh, pure yeah. fan-based entertainment for sure. I mean, to, the for some people, I'm like, I don't want to generalize, but for some people going to a gig is all about being out with your mates, getting a few mm. drinks in, the energy of being in a room, and the music is like the soundtrack to that. Yeah. You know, you you know the kind of bands you can imagine the the, the way you see the bands. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, and and when the when the song from the radio comes on, you stick your phone in the air, and and yeah. that's not to like diminish that that people can can love music however they want to love it. Mm. But that's one type of gig. But when you, go, when you go to a gig and there's 200 people there and they are hardcore fans and they're like in love with every song and it's very much a little kind of tight community thing, that maybe gets lost the bigger a gig gets. Yeah. For, for some artists anyway and for some fans especially. So it's very easy to be, you know, a casual fan of bands and go buy a ticket, go to the gig. It's, you know, the, the whole mm. night, it's, it's, like, it's like going out plus there's a gig. Mm. Whereas with this live streaming, there's so much going on in people's lives. I think you have to actually actively take time out of your day and, and, and there isn't any kind of communal in the moment aspect. You're just sharing it online. So maybe mm -hmm. it is bringing hardcore fans closer to a band and maybe casual fans won't engage with it as much because without the drinking and the hanging out with your mates thing, gigs aren't as fun. And it's mm -hmm. like, you're just there for the music. It's like, Whoa. music's only like half of why I go to a gig, maybe less. And again, I don't want to kind of, throw every band who's big into the same kind of bucket and say like all your fans don't really give a shit about your music <laughs> they, do. they love it and I've, I've been at like arena shows and it's full it's like 16 17,000 people and they all love the band just as much as everybody else and it's very much a huge thing but they're they're rare occurrences for they're, they're like really special oh, bands definitely. that have that yeah. but there is cert certainly you know you go you go to a gig and and i i hate uh, one of my pet hates just in life at the moment is just obviously people's reliance on their phone but going to a gig and seeing standing behind people and their phones are in the air and they're watching the gig i just don't through the phone i, I hate yeah, that. i don't i don't understand like i don't understand what you like 
you, you almost you want the experience plus you want to record the experience but you recording the experience makes the in the moment experience that special so it it blows my mind that that's a thing that people yeah. want to do i've seen people whip out ipads at gigs and like what are you I, doing you're, you're you're recording the show for for what reason are you going to watch that again it's not going to sound as good or look as good i i so i i i've been on both sides of that like in big rooms like we we, we did a show in the uh the three arena or whatever it's called now and um, just before christmas we were playing with uh, an american band called the lumineers and we were opening up we did a bunch of shows with them in the uk like arena shows and we were playing and at certain moments the crowd whatever puts their phones in and you can see the lights and it's beautiful on stage it looks really gorgeous but then you're like when you're in a crowd watching that what you're actually seeing is just people's screens thousands yeah. of people's screens all in the air and and the people behind them, it's now obstructing their view. And, and it's, it, it, it makes gigs weird, you know, because you're not looking at the show anymore. And I know mm. from art, like artists, I know, or singers and, and bands, and I know who are like the Lumineer Boys and all, all those kind of really big bands, they, they, they're, they've grown to live with it. They've grown like, this is how it is. Now people want to, they've paid the money. If they want an interactive story, fine. But it's, it's, the band will play fine. It's just how the crowd is enjoying yeah. it, and it's just not a lot of fun. I wish I wish there was a way of banning phones. Okay, I'm I, like a bit of a granddad, no. but I, I I I really really dislike it. I really mm. think it's complete. It takes the humanity out of the gig. I went to go see Madonna in London like a couple of months ago, and she made everyone lock their phones before. Yeah. So you got this little like slip bag, and it was only yeah. be open when you were leaving. Yeah. So your phone was on you. Yeah. And it was brilliant. I thought it was great because the thing is, she came on late. She came on very late. But the thing is, by the end, by the time she'd come on, everyone was like singing to each other. We'd start like Mexican wave. To, this was like yeah. a really posh little like London theatre. There's people doing Mexican waves and like starting like big chants with each other. It's like we were interacting. It was almost like the crowd has ex- had experienced their own experience together before the show had even begun because we weren't there sitting on our phones being like, Hey, we're at Madonna. And then back on, like back mm. on them again. Like we were all trying, we were trying to keep ourselves entertained. So we were talking to each other. We were like sharing information about Madonna. We were showing each other like our t-shirts, you know? And it really just put a whole idea of community in the crowd. Which I really liked. And all yeah. to point out about the whole phone thing. It's like, there's it's statistically doing something. So basically something, um, say if you want to really remember a moment, the biggest thing is that you should, try to take a few seconds to really activate all your senses because each sense has a way of triggering uh, like a memory in the brain. So if you really want to remember something, you should really take a deep breath in, remember the smells, you know, kind of like move yourself around your space. Remember like how the space felt, you know, the sound, the sight, you know, when you multitask, while trying to do a task that you're trying to remember, you learn you lose 30% of that memory retention. Yeah. 30%, like, that's a big fraction of your memory retention that you are getting rid of just by having your phone off. I, maybe it's just, it could be a generation thing. I don't know why. I just don't, I don't understand it. I think it diminishes your experience of the gig. I know from being on stage, playing, I'm like, why are you looking out into a crowd full of people? Like, why are you taking photos? Like, why even take photos of this? Why Just enjoy the show. Yeah. There's, there's way more photos of better taken photos that will be available. Like there'll be recordings of this. You don't need that to remember. Just like you said, just remember the show and, and mm. enjoy yourself and jump around a bit and have fun. And you know, uh, but 
but I, I, I guess people feel if they buy tickets to shows, they want more, they want a, a memento, and they want some, something more personal. And maybe then they, you know, because the, the angle of the photo, they remember where they were standing, and maybe, like, it's within their eyes to do what they like, but I, I wish they could enjoy it a bit more and, and just be a little less, uh, I don't know, a bit, a bit more in the moment or something. Kind of to touch back on the, the live streaming thing, at least in live streaming, it's very much okay. You're definitely not in the room. You're yeah. you're in your own place. You're you're watching someone. That the separation is part of it. You know, that's like you're you're separated, but you feel like you're in kind of sharing a moment. Whereas when you're at a gig, you're actually sharing a moment. Mm. Or like you're actually you're gonna you'll miss something. You you know when you're you looking at your phone, it's it's you're missing what's happening on stage. You're missing. You know, you, I, 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 I almost think like in a weird way, people have lost, some people have lost the ability or the kind of knowledge of how to actually watch a gig and what they should be looking for on a gig. When you have people on stage performing, you should be really looking at them closely as to how they interact with each other. All members of the band, your eyes should be constantly going across of what's happening. And, you, you know, it's like you're watching, some, like you're basically you're watching people believe in themselves in front of you. You know, and that's like really kind of like emotional, heartfelt thing. You, sh you should want to experience that. Here's these people, they really believe in themselves. And I want to see people do that. I want to see them perform. I want to see the little kind of side glances and the body language and the in, the in jokes and the when stuff goes wrong, when stuff goes right. Every gig is different and you, you, you will miss something special. And I think some you, you kind of have to go to a lot of gigs to appreciate mm -hmm. the value of actually how to watch a gig it's like watching a sport and not knowing the rules you're like yeah. well i don't know what's happening on stage so it doesn't matter so like i can't enjoy this whereas the more you kind of get into music and and if you play an instrument and you sing or or you know a lot of music you can really dive into what's happening and it makes the gig even more enjoyable because you mm. know the rules you know what's why things are happening the way you are and something sounds slightly off you can figure out why it's slightly off and like every gig has a multiple special moments in it yeah if it's a, if it's a band having a terrible show it's still enjoyable it's like well, why are they having a terrible show it's really dramatic there's drama to that and staring at your phone you might as well just be like at home and as well if you're like unless you're like six foot four whatever you're filming is not it's not going to look good because it's going to be at a weird angle on the top of people's heads also for those who are short like me Put yeah. down your phone, I can't see the stage. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before we dive into your like career so far, because I really just want to take everyone through like everything you've done, because you've done so much. Yeah. But there's a thing that we like to do on the show, and it's, bit, it's called This or That, all right? And it's just like a fun little game. So basically, I'm just going to give you three bands, six bands, two at a time. We're like six okay. artists, two at a time, and you choose in between. Some bands might be similar, some bands might be very different. Um, so they're all different kind of styles, okay? But the first one I kind of took from inspiration of who you're playing with now, um, that you're playing with Soak. So if you had to pick Jade Bird or Saint Sister. Oh, man. Um, well, I know Saint Sister's music a lot better than Jade Bird's. Um, so I'd go with Saint Sister. And I also like the fact that there's the, the two girls, the way they sing together. I'm a, I'm a sucker for harmonies, so I, I just love harmonies. Two of the most beautiful voices, and I think they're actually, although Saint Sister, are, they've done really well. Them, I still think they're underrated. I still yeah. think they've got, and like their their record was really lovely, but I think they make better records, and I think they're they're only just tapping into how good they can be. But yeah, I really, really do think I think they're 
some of the most beautiful music out of Ireland for the last few years, but I, I still think they're getting close to really nailing it. Yeah. And again, with the harmonies and stuff and the harp and. Uh, I'm yeah, such I think, I think a great. harmony sucker. I'm such a harmony. I love mm. them so much. So okay. yeah, Saint Sister would win that one. Next one, Idols versus Fontaines DC. Idols or Fontaines? Um, I think yeah. Like I said, I I know both parties. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're all really like idols are really lovely lads. Idols are closer to me age wise, I guess. So generationally, we'd have more in common kind of bands and our kind of, I guess, DIY histories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I like. I have to say, I, I, I like the, I like the Fontaine's record a lot because I think Green is a really, really talented lyricist. Yeah. Um, and like Tom is one of my favorite young drummers. I really love the way he plays drums. Idols like. I, they're they're a very good band. The music doesn't, I, I don't. The music doesn't hit me like it maybe hits other people. Mm. But when you when you see them live, they're oh, they're fantastic. So when when I when I when I'd heard their records, I was like, oh yeah, cool. Like I know I know where this is coming from. I kind of obviously know all the bands they like, and I can see where they're kind of the the ingredients. But when you see them live, and I did like last summer, I was at that famous Glastonbury show they did. They went on after us, after Soak. Yeah. And um, I think they went on after us. Yeah, I think it was after us. Yeah. And they, uh, just incredible. There was like, I don't know, there might have been 15 or 16,000 people or something crazy like that on one of the smaller outdoor stages. So it was all the way back as far as you could see. And the connection they have with their fans is incredible. It's legit. It's not, there's no tourists there. That's the real deal. That, that, mm-hmm. that connection is real. And they're, the, the way they conduct themselves as men, as a band and outside of what they do, I really admire. And you can tell the kind of community they're from, the kind of DIY punk community. Um, so I'd have a lot have a lot in common with them kind of from an ethos and viewpoint point of view. So I like seeing bands like that like achieve things. And the fact they've become so huge is mm-hmm. all through that, the fact that that connection is so real. The fact that the music doesn't hit me as hard is just... Uh, you know they're good but it's just not like i wouldn't jump to hear that first i'd, I'd listen to the bands that have influenced them first yeah before and they i mean they might say the same about other ones too but i can't doubt their um their like legitimateness legitimacy yeah um, and the fact that they're all and people always say this but they're just really lovely lads really mm. genuine lovely guys as are the fontaines and they, that's one thing that both bands kind of share so I'd say from a musical point of view, like I like the Fontaine's record a bit more because it speaks to me from, from a Dublin yeah. point of view. But from a live point of view, they're both like thunderously good live. And mm-hmm. I think the Fontaine's will get to that point from a connection point of view that idols have. And I haven't seen the Fontaine's in a while. So maybe it's there already. But I love the fact that it's like loud music with a message is achieving what it's achieving. And, and um, Punk's back. I, 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 I give that to the Fontaines slightly, and because yeah. I because I know them a bit better, but um, that's no no disparagement against what the what idols are doing. And mm. by all accounts, the next idols record is going to be amazing. They're working with some really interesting people. So yeah, that's a long winded answer. No, no, it was a good answer. It was a good answer. Like sure, um, not only is Tom Cole a fantastic drummer, but he was the only one out of the band to make that shot on Soccer AM. See that interview? There that on is Soccer true. AM. That is true. And Fantastic by all accounts, shot. Brilliant cur- shot as well. Curly like. there, the guitarist, Connor Curly, uh, by all account, accounts, is pretty good at football. 
So I think he just fluffed it, but he's quite probably I've just like so candy. excited for being on Soccer AM. Yeah. And Tom Cole's just so to like a relaxed type of guy. That's like the drummer's always the most chill person out of a band. I realize yeah, this. Yeah, that's because they, the they, they have the hardest job. So when they're not <laughs> when they're not actually drumming, they're just chill. They're like anything is easier than drumming. So I remember saying this to him like. There's not like drummers don't go out of the way to like shout from the rooftops how amazing they are, or there's like drummers don't say it to other drummers. We're kind of mm-hmm. like pretty kind of humble in general, but I can remember when I first heard the record, and I, I think I might have tweeted about it. I was like, really, that, that record would not be as good as it is without the fact that their drummer is so good. And from it, it's one of the best drum records from an Irish band in years. Mm-hmm. Really, it's that good. And, um, he doesn't get the kind of because guitarists always get the shine but from a, speaking from experience from a drum point of view i know like when it's legit when it's legit when it's real it's real and i know other drummers think the same about the way he plays and when i'm hearing like bands like that just in general the way i listen to music if you strip everything away and all that's left is the singer's voice and his lyrics or her lyrics and then what the drummer's doing that has to work so the drummer needs to be listening to what the lyrics are doing and what, how, the, how the singer is singing dynamically, the kind of cadence they're using, the energy they're putting in. And that, if that isn't in sync completely, the band doesn't work. To me, that's just how, immediately that's what I listen to. How mm. are the drums syncing up with what the, the singer is doing? And with Fontaine, that's why that works so well. But with so much volume and guitar on top of it, mm. it's, not, it's not always obvious, but at the root of it that's that's the band and they're they're all the all five of them really in sync with each other obviously because they've played a lot together but just watching even watching tom the way he watches green on stage and if you notice in other bands you'll see if the drummer's watching the singer that's what they should be watching all the time i mean obviously you want to be playing in time with the bass player that's important but <laughs> always watch the singer is the is the kind of almost like the thermometer of the of the gig and then the, the drummer has to respond to that. So it's like, I need more, I need less. And, 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 and the drummer is the one that is, does that. The drummer mm. contro- is, con- controls the emotion of what's going on on stage. So if the singer wants to go in a certain direction, the drummer has to follow them. And it has to be yeah. instantaneous. And that, it takes a long time to get good, or, or like to be kind of on the same page. And they seem to have got it. I have one last one for you. Yeah. And it's very different to the two we've picked, like the four yeah. last four ones. Don't fall on pop industry on this one. Okay, cool. I know you have a little bit of a soft side for pop. Type Absolutely. Um, but two men who are in the scene at the moment, um, two very kind of funny men who are very good on social media and keeping interactive with their fans, very good fan base. Harry Styles versus Lewis Capaldi. Oh, that's a good one. So an old young boy versus a new young boy. Yeah, they're, 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 I, think they're, I think those lads might be the same age. I think Lewis Capaldi's younger than Harry Styles. I th- yeah, I'm pretty sure they're like... I think he is. Um, 26, 25 or something like that, or 26. I like, I lo- like, from a musical point of view, neither of them would be my musical... Some of what Harry Styles does is kind of interesting. I like that, that he's... Some of the deeper album cuts, he's trying to go for some weird stuff. It's kind of bowie a little bit sometimes. I'm trying to think of the name of his... I think, is it Sarah, the girl that drums with him now, that was in... Used to playing hot chip. If I'm not mm. taking the wrong girl, I think I might be. Mm. I love the way I love the way she plays. So I'm kind of that's always a a, a plus for that. But I I lo- I think Lewis Capaldi is a really lovely voice, and I like how he's completely just at ease with himself. 
And I met him once backstage at a TV thing, and he's just exactly like he comes across on social media. Just on social media, he's just a lovely, just a lad. He's like, oh, yeah. this is going pretty good. That's and yeah, but musically, that's not my thing, mm. really. The Harry Styles thing, musically, is a bit is more interesting to me. But I, I, I still get the sense that I want like more of him to come through. Yeah, which will happen. Um. I like I like that he wants to be he thinks he's like mid seventies Bowie kind of vibe. He wants to dress crazy and do cool stuff and you know, he they're both like sharp lads. I think they're both they're both smart lads and I like when they talk about important things and I like when they're um they're quite real in themselves. I get the mm. sense that like I was Lewis Capaldi for sure, that's just who he is. And Harry Styles too. He just seems like a nice fella. Mm. You know? And for what, what for what they've all been through, especially the One Direction lads, Niall yeah. born the same. By all accounts, he's just a really lovely lad, and I I I'd probably edge that to Harry Styles because from a music point of view. But I think maybe when Lewis Capaldi, when he'll he'll probably grow as a writer. I'd like to see him kind of if he just songs he just wrote himself, what they end up sounding like. Um, but I I, I good for both of them because they mm. they seem nice people and they're achieving. Just a little bit, a little bit more of a lean. But yeah. okay, so let's dive in now. Because I, to be honest, you probably have the best person to ask these type of questions to. Like, I wish I'd given you just like a bunch of the people that you've played with, but I don't want okay. you to get like old because like, you, you like the people you, you like Hot Chip, Tracy Chapman, Elbow, like just the, like well, the I, list goes on. Of I wasn't actually with Connor did the Tracy Chapman's thing solo. We weren't playing okay. with them as a band. There was only scope for the solo shows. But uh, that I got to, cool. I got to, I think I was at it. I was doing the merch out of there or something, and uh, and then in Cork maybe, um, so I got to see Tracy Chapman. Like, she's cool. Like Tracy Chapman's super cool. Like my my mom was so in love with her music in the late eighties. So I would have been grown up listening to her first record or two, and uh, so that was weird. But yeah, no, that was the whole the first start of Village was really weird. We ended up playing with like Neil Young in like the the Three Arena opening up and that was super early first yeah it was really weird just happened it was like okay cool this was strange at that that first few years was lots of cool weird stuff happened and you just did it and it was fun and you kind of it was more fun because you're just you're doing it with your mates and Mm. it was just yeah interesting to just experience all that and a lot of for all of us pretty much was our first time doing anything that level so Mm. we're all like kind of wide out like well this is great and we're we're getting to kind of hang out with your friends so it was really easy and fun. Before Villagers, you were involved in music. You were. Oh yeah, you studied, God, yeah. You studied music business. That was your. Pro- yeah. where, where where was the place to study? I did it, well, there was a course in Ballyfermot called Music um, Management, which was a two-year course. Um, like I wanted to just leave school when I was like 17, 18. I just want to get out and just play music. So I was. I thought better of it, and my my one of my teachers in school had found this course and said, "Look." Uh, I know you don't want to go to college and there's nothing really you want to do, but there is this course that might kind of teach you a bit about the industry. And I, I kind of jumped at it. And while I, at the time I was obviously in bands and playing in my, my, my own bands for years and years. And, and that kind of, the course was really, really great. I met some really amazing people. People are still know to this day. And the uh, Pete who ran the course still does, I think. And Joan who ran the, ran the course. They're amazing people, really inspiring. And, and, I loved it. I, I loved Body Firm. I absolutely loved the two years I was there. I loved every second of it. It's a yeah. lovely little college. 
body firmness is a really lovely little place to go go to college and hang out and um, met some really interesting cool people and um, it was a great start kind of get me gave me a bit more structure as to what I could actually do and what my strengths were and I kind of learned how much I really did enjoy working with bands and putting records together and so in two years I, I learned a huge amount and then uh, came out and then kind of tried to use that for the bands I was in and and around that time as well, I started working for for Phantom. Well, working for Phantom. Were you there in Phantom when it got its license? Yeah, so was- God, I, I started working in Phantom around like 2000, 2001 maybe. So you were there like very, very early. Yeah, then. like pretty early. Yeah, not, not when it was Spectrum, which was, mm. it was called before that, when the lads were still in a shed. And then it moved into the city and myself... Oh, like a bunch of heads, like Richie, Richie McCormick, who's now on Newstalk, who's a really talented broadcaster. Yeah. He started with me, uh, Adele, Dara Brophy, Orla Ormond. Uh, it's just, it was just when I started, there was like five or six of us. They were trying to grow the stations. They wanted more live DJs while it was still a pirate. So we were huge fans. Obviously, I was obsessed with the station. So we went in and I got, I think my show was like midnight on a Saturday or Friday. So it was really late at night. I think I ended up doing a show at like from one in the morning till three in the morning or something like that on Saturday nights just to do it because I yeah. loved doing it and it was unplaylisted and I just had, had an absolute ball. So we were, we were there. It was at that stage, it was above Whelan's like Whelan's is very different now, but back in the day from a structural point of view, there was a, like a kind of an empty unit beside Whelan's. I think the unit is now turned into part of the pub, but uh, there was like the, where they stored the, the, the beer and barrels and upstairs was like like a kitchen and a room with a really su- suspect kind of kind of sinking floor it always felt like it was going to fall down but there was a, like a radio station there so the, the lads had set up the pirate there and man i was there for like a bunch of years like all through the like early 2000s broadcasting with my show filling in any any time they needed one i just wanted to be in there playing music and um yeah meeting people and and playing new Irish stuff and it was such an amazing time for Irish music because Phantom would play play it Phantom would play it if you send it in and it was good so lots of Irish acts got their first real is, support from the is station. Is that where your love of really because you're huge into supporting Irish music like that is your yeah. big thing is you're you're all about Irish music and just supporting it is that is this where your love came from because you won yeah. like while you were still there you won best music driven radio station didn't you? Yeah I think so. uh, in yeah, well, I think that's when it became... That was after, it just after you got, yeah, got yeah. yeah. No, like the Irish music thing is just it's just how I was raised in music. Like when we, we when I started my first band, we were like 15, 16, six, like 16, like kids in school. And there was a really cool little underground scene in Dublin at the time. People might remember bands like um, the National Prayer Breakfast. These You kind of want all these names, but like old school names, National Prayer Breakfast. Uh, Bobby Pulls a Wilson, Palomine, uh, Female Hercules. Yeah, all of these bands that were kind of doing their own shows and putting on gigs. And the National Prayer Breakfast in particular were hugely mm. important for me, like as men, like as kind of an older male influence in the yeah. music industry. Amazing, the three guys. Yeah. And then... You mentioned this before. Oh, yeah. We, we yeah. would have gone Lunch to their... their they would have done all ages shows we went to and we would have met them and they would have been really supportive. And then we sent them our demo, our band was called Deputy Fuzz. It was like this real kind of weird, arty pop music. 
and we sent it and they really liked it and they said cool we'll put your record out and that was to me that was like that's like it was like the equivalent of like prince to us like oh yeah i'll put your album out so they were our favorite band and they did and they had a record label they started themselves they put out their own music and everything they did every kind of step they made was always with a really kind of pure ethos behind it and like trying to be independent trying to make something cool happen in dublin mm. and that really rubbed off on us we're like well we want to carry that on and then so patrick Dara and paul who were in that band um uh were hugely influential from a musical point of view but just like how to be sound what, like how dublin how cool dublin is mm-hmm. it made me think like fuck dublin is so cool and like bobby pulls and wilson were probably my favorite band in that time i absolutely love them and i think I-, I saw them play live like twice or three times and I, I i i it hit me so hard i was like this is the coolest band i've ever seen and they're just some lads in dublin and mm. dublin is amazing and from that point forward all i want to do is help music from this city like in the last like 15 20 years the dublin music scene has exploded it has just yeah. become huge and you've been there for that entire time yeah like <laughs> 22 23 years like which is happen like you've just been seeing it grow and grow and grow and yeah. i think the biggest advice that James Byrne can offer to anyone, and you said it to us, and I always say it to you, it was the first day that we had a lecture at you, we walked into the room and you were like, first rule of the music industry, don't be a dick. And, like, and that was it. And I was like, That's I've it. carried that way with me because the thing is the Irish music industry is really big, but everyone knows everyone. All the different interview, inter- interviewees that I've had on are all working in multiple projects and all of them, like probably are five degrees of separation away from each other like in in the industry and that's the thing you have to be as uh like a sense stand your ground and you need to but be sound like help other people out like because one day even you might be up here and then you decide to help someone down here but within a matter of six months it could be like this and you could be needing them to help you out so well like and and i mean the, the whole don't be a dick idea it's just like no one wants to be around people like that anyway but but when you're doing something like music that's really important to you you're very emotionally connected to it if someone is treating it poorly or isn't taking it seriously or is in it for other reasons you know that's kind of the other thing like you you can pretty soon get a sense of someone why they're doing it why they're in music what's that what's the what's the what's their goal Mm -hmm. and if their goal is for it to be the vehicle they can be famous and successful and you know meet cool people and do like all this stuff like that gets put away pretty quick and you realize now that the reason you should be doing it is because you want to make something yeah. special you want to actually feel uh you're contributing something worthwhile and there's a much more purity to that and that's the don't be a dick thing as well it's like that should be your focus you know yeah. put something good out there and if that's what guides you all the other stuff can come touring and money and success that comes for some people and it doesn't for others, but if, if the kind of thing that unites them is the reason they're doing it is it's a much purer reason because they, 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 they have to do it because if they didn't do it, they'd go insane that they'd be like, no, I, without music, I, I don't know what I do. Yeah. That should be there. And, and thankfully, thankfully in BAM, like when I get to like teach students every year and pass that on, a lot of them know it already, but I think they really do appreciate, as you said, how small Ireland is musically. And how everybody does know everybody and a bad reputation travels incredibly fast and no one wants to be around those people or work with those people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, it's one, that's the one thing you can control. 
really in music is how hard you work at it, obviously, but just your attitude. And if you do work hard and have a good attitude, good things will happen. It mm. might not be tomorrow, but it will happen. And like that was said to me like straight away. I got that. That's the vibe I got off these guys, these National Prayer Breakfast lads, Patrick and Darren and Paul, just how nice they were, how giving they were, how generous and, and humble they were. And also just how full of amazing ideas and creative they were. And that was what drew me to them, what made music make sense to me. Yeah. Because if I'd gone in kind of thinking like, this is how I'm going to make money. This is what's going to make me successful because it looks yeah. really fun to be famous. Like that would have led too. nowhere. So, and you have to have done it to realize yeah. that. It's easy to say that now when I'm 20 odd years in. But when I started, I had that attitude too because I saw it from those lads and I mean, I say that to them all the time. Um, unfortunately, Paul passed away a few years ago, which is oh, really sad. Sorry. But Dara and Patrick are like, Patrick still, Patrick writes for the Irish Times now. And Dara is, he's like involved in kind of counseling and stuff. And they're super smart lads. But mm. they, I, I don't think they realized just how important they were for me and my, my, my bandmates. But for me in particular, just having someone like that to look up to. Um, and I always, even to this day, when I'm making decisions or doing stuff, I just think, in, it kind of through that kind of prism what would the lads do what would how would they approach this what would be the outcome that they'd be most comfortable with and kind of follow that so for you to learn all this like this way of acting pretty pretty early because yeah Vill- villagers started off which says in a nine your first that the first album of villagers came out 2010 was it Ten, uh, 2010 i think so yeah. yeah immediate attention i've been doing music for like 10 years at that stage so yeah i've kind of that was the thing about when Villager started. We were all in our like mid to late 20s. We weren't like kids. Mm. And because the way the band was structured, it was the Connor's thing. It was He was Villagers, but then he wanted to have a band and then he wanted his friends to play with him. And, and he wanted it to be that kind of thing where it was just not stress and friends and let's have fun and let's all go on this journey together. So because we weren't like 18, 19, We'd already been around the block a few times. Yeah. We kind of approached it a bit more maturely and we kind of appreciated what it was for what it was. We didn't mm. want to like, we didn't get ahead of ourselves. You guys really like the villagers as other solo were banned, like really took off very quickly. Like you got the, um, yeah. you're nominated for the Choice Music Awards and then the Mercury Prize as well. Yeah. You're not sure that's yeah. for that. For the album, it just, it took off really quick. And Phantom, to give Phantom their due, Phantom was one of the one of the uh, early kind of adopters. So like 2008, I want to say, um, eight nine maybe the first single or the first EP. Which I, I actually, that's one of the other things I put that out on the label on my my label to kind of just get it out, and it like went amazing, went really well, and the, and and it got lots of radio play, and then kind of got signed, and everything snowballed really quick. But it felt like it was still kind of chilled it wasn't like you know all felt kind of below the radar because yeah. like domino, domino was a label was, was cool indie and like i think connor just handled it really well you know and uh, the fact that like, the fact that he he's such a good such a talented songwriter is the reason it did well yeah because <laughs> that's that's why it happened there was no kind of like just it's just the right time for this kind of stuff no it's like time yeah, is he's pretty, just good he's just good yeah, just he does. Be, be really good and that good stuff happened. So, and we got to, yeah, we got to experience all of that. And we got, it was the first time any of us had really, really toured heavily. Yeah. And we got to like see the you world. You Elbow, didn't you? Elbow, yeah. We got yeah, to, like, we, we opened up for them. Ah, uh, cool. uh, 
like yeah. I plan to walk down the aisle to everyone the poor man who decides he's actually going to marry me I'm walking down the aisle <laughs> to a day like this like oh yeah okay. like doves flying I'm sorry just that song like ever since it's I was a beautiful. kid it's and like, I went to go see them last uh, was it two years ago now in three arena and like I don't know what it is about that song it just but they're another really good example of really nice lads that really they, they'd been in a band a long time before that success yeah. happened and and only that they were just mates they stuck at it they love being around each other they're really genuine guys everyone always rooted for them so when they were successful it was like oh brilliant good mm. for them and again and as big as they are and were at that time like this is like 2012 2013 maybe maybe 2012 uh they were like an arena band and bigger they were playing really big places and they were just the nicest most humble funny like real kind of manchester sense of humor <laughs> lads and it was they were just lovely to be around and again it showed us like man you could be that big and still be lovely it doesn't preclude you from being nice and polite yeah and and, and not being an ass and it it all the, all those experiences when you see when you meet people who you feel like wow, they're on a higher pedestal and you realize they're just like you they're really ambitious and really genuine and excited to be doing stuff. And they, yeah. every day they love doing it. So that, it sinks in more and more. But that, that, was, that was a really fun tour. They really looked after us. They fed us and they, you know, that was like a highlight for sure. Just <laughs> Musicians, yeah. they fed us. It was amazing. Because yeah, <laughs> so, sometimes on an arena tour, the support act doesn't get catering. Like, you know, you're not, the, the headline act doesn't share the food with the band and it's not like That's a mean so thing it's rude. just i know but we were really lucky with with that tour and um, they fed us and they not just that but they really invited us in to be part of like the kind of tour family and we got to know them like really well and they're for like as well as you get to know them in three weeks or four weeks mm. whatever it was but and their crew was lovely and a lot of them i just think like northern english like liverpool manchester there's such an irish connection there mm -hmm. their sense of humor is so similar and they're yeah. just up for the crack and they're just having points and just being nice and it's lovely it was that was really nice and again you get to experience it with your friends like these are yeah. some of my, my best friends in the world driving around playing music with them and yeah it's that's made it extra special is it weird being in that position though and like meeting some of like the people that you've always listened to you've always like Especially because with Irish bands, when you meet them, it's kind of a little bit more like, okay, you're Irish, you know. So it's like you're in, you're on my tiny island. So there we go. But yeah. When it comes to like bigger artists, such as well, Bellex One, I guess, like they're they're from around our, our neck of the woods. Yeah. And but like, was that like a huge thing? Was there ever a point where you're kind of like a little bit baffled by the people that you're being? No. Or was no. everyone so sound? Like, was everyone just? Every, well, well, no, not everyone was. Not everyone, like, I'll be honest. Thankfully, we never toured with any of those bands. But, like, not everyone was. Like, it's, mm. I'm not saying like, oh, turns out famous musicians are all sound. They're not. They're not, and they just aren't. And you, you're, you're, you think like, okay, that's how you want to live. That's one your attitude. That's how you want to treat your crew. That's one how you want to treat mm. your fans. That's on you, madam or mister. Like that's, like that's gonna, um. You kind of you'll remember that and it, it sinks in my mind like well that's not who i want to be yeah but like with the bed one guys we my one of my first bands this is like 20, 2003 maybe way back we toured with them what, what, what band i was in called life after modeling we toured with bell one for like five shows i want to say maybe around ireland and um they were just at that point like bell one were like 
probably the biggest band in Ireland. But mm. I was almost at their peak. They, they were approaching that or whatever. And they were just, again, just the nicest men. Lovely, lovely. Like, they're, they're only a few years older than me now. They're, those guys are, like, maybe early 40s. But just so humble and so, like, humble and down to earth. It's kind of overused. But you, 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 you really appreciate it when you expect them not to be. Not to mm. You just know, like, I'd, I'd seen them around, you know. I kind of half knew one of them. But then um, when we got to hang out with them and play with them, and, and we were like a weird band. We weren't like a kind of super commercial sounding band, but they just liked us and they were really nice to us. And they just kind of stuck with me, like Paul and, and Dom and uh, Dave and Brian who was in the band at the time. Uh, just like, wow, this is amazing. You can be really nice. Like and be a big Irish band and still really nice and they worked so hard and they really took their band seriously and their work ethic and how how organized they were all of that kind of sunk in. So when I then got to tour with them again like six years later with with Villagers, um, they were exactly the same. They were exactly exactly the same as guys and and had had huge success and then I kind of they got quiet then a success again and they were they'd found a way of kind of maintaining their lives mm-hmm. and and. You know, and and they were really, really fun and really, really uh, kind of interested in us mm. and wanted to talk to us and kind of they they weren't like sitting us down and giving us advice. It was nothing weird like that. It was more just you know just chatting. You yeah. kind of chat about music with people. I, and are there a lot of things because you still tour a lot. Like you were just on tour with yeah, South, oh, yeah. like, last summer. But is there anything that you learned from this experience, like supporting these like big bands? Was there anything that they did that you kind of still take on to this day? Like still, just little things. Oh, that yeah. They... Oh, yeah. Like just the way, the way a band treats the people around them. Mm. You know, the, the way a band treats their crew is so indicative of, of, of who they are as people because they're all working towards making the tour work. Yeah. Realistically, the guitar attack is just as important as the guy playing keyboards mm-hmm. because without them, it wouldn't happen. And you see, like we a really good example is the, the Lumineers guys that are we, we with Soak. We did like six weeks in America with them about three, well, let me see, four years ago, three years ago. And obviously, we're still, we're still friendly with them. They're still really lovely lads. But just the way they they and their crew and the people around them just felt like this big family, and it was just the most. And the, and this I was like the biggest tour I'd ever done. I, they were they're a huge band. They're a massive mm. massive band, and um, but. They're so nice to the people around them, and not like they, not like the way you'd be nice to someone who works for you, like a little conversation, whatever. Like just hanging with them, kicking with them, and being being friends, and and it was just it, it made me feel it made me feel like kind of uh, appreciative of spent like even though you're away from home, even though touring can be really hard sometimes, at least you're getting to be around lovely people. Mm. And you see seeing humanity at its best mm. in front of you every day, and it makes you feel like uh, kind of um, kind of proud to be in music in a weird way, in to be in an industry where that's valued so highly, mm. like personal relationships and kindness and manners and listening and all of that. And I'm I'm so lucky that I've never been of all the like I've only done like maybe a handful of really really big tours. I've never encountered a band a big band that's been rude in any way or, or or like not nice people that we've mm. toured with i've seen it at festivals I've seen it backstage other bands for sure at, like especially at festivals the, the value of touring obviously and playing is 
however bad your day is, you have a release yeah. at the end of the day, you have a show and you've, you can, I guess, channel that through your playing. You know, that doesn't mean like I, I get on stage and I bash my drums extra hard. Yeah. You still have to be musical, but it's, it's true. And, and you tour enough and everyone goes through that and then you're kind of sharing it together and people get, yeah, people become aware of mm. people aren't having a good days. And the tired you get on tour, you understand why you can kind of, you're so in each other's lives, yeah. especially that early, I guess now the same with soak stuff, but at that early point in villagers where I only, I, Connor was one of my best mates, but I didn't really know the other lads that well. So we grew to know each other over the first couple of months. And by like the end of that first like little period, we were really tight and, we knew exactly what was happening. We knew each other's partners and family life and ups and downs, what was happening and where they lived and their history. Because you've nothing, you're on tour all the time. You just talk to each other. You yeah. really get to know each other very well. So we, we kind of knew why people were not feeling great. And we, mm. we like, I'm like an idiot a lot of time. I just want to, I'm a messer. And I just, I get bored really easy. And I, I was always kind of wanting to be full of life and happy and fun. And that's just, come on let's chat let's take on the world guys kind of vibe and I, I i don't really well at that point i never i didn't drink at all so i never drank on tour so i was never drunk i was never hung over i was always just like full of life so it's not always great to be around and i'm sure it was incredibly annoying sometimes but it always it, I, I kind of felt as well like the morale of a group of people touring it's really mm. important that that's maintained and maybe in myself it's like well maybe that's what i can do trying to pick people up when they're down and try and make everyone kind of feel good and then also I'd be like the first person to take the piss out of someone just to try and get, get of energy going. going. And yeah. like, oh my God, we, we like certain members of our touring party, we just like mess with, just to mess with, just lads messing. And, you know, we're still friends. It's okay. But like, yeah. you know, you're trying <laughs> you to, have to, you're keep trying things to light. feel out each other's kind of limits and boundaries. And, and it has to happen quick because if you're going to be with people along for a lot, lot of the time, and like all the time, that you want to make sure that you, you're can be comfortable with each other and open with each other. And, mm. you know, there's no secrets and like you, people, you tell your bandmates stuff, you wouldn't tell your partner, you know, the secrets that I still have from all the bands that play with that. I never told anybody crazy yeah. shit. You go through bonding experiences that are really dark and really sad. And then amazing bonding experiences are really happy and light. And, yeah. you know, so, and that's why I think unless you've been in a band and toured, and experience that it's sometimes it's hard to explain it to people at home yeah like why that bond is so tight and, and why like you might not it's like being in for, a pandemic lockdown but for basically months. but like yeah yeah <laughs> but then like we, i might not i might not see someone for like five six seven years and then you meet them again and it's like you just saw them yesterday yeah because you spent that, that, that much time with them you know and yeah I, I loved it i loved i think we were i think we appreciate now we were how lucky we were to do that first, that first couple of years of villages, like I don't know what it was, five six years of just playing with each other and touring, like how amazing that was, and I've been really lucky after that, like with with soak stuff, it's been just as special and different and a different, even more special in a different way because it's like it's a, it's a different thing. It was 2015 where you when you left the villagers, but I yeah, also I, on I think it was. On an Instagram, I saw uh, on the Villagers Instagram, they had a photo from in 2015 where it was like in LA playing next door to Soak. Is that where you got? Did you meet Soak? Oh through? no, no, no. We we um, I was gone. I was gone by that stage. I think, God, my my memory is so cloudy. I <laughs> want to say it was like late 2014, early 2015. I think just before the third record, 
Connor yeah. just wanted to change things. He wanted mm. to make a different Santa record. He wanted to play with different people. He wanted to try new shit, and which is it, it was his band. He got yeah. to the side. So and then we just stopped. And I was like, okay. So then myself and Tommy were in the band, and we weren't. And I was like, okay. Well, Tommy was recording people, and he had been. We had known Bridie a couple of years before that, she, when she was re- like just starting out really young as a solo act. Um, she would she played a bunch of shows with us. We met at like other voices, and just hit it off. Even though, <clears throat> even though she's like, she would have been like seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, and we were like in our early thirties or whatever. Yeah, so I don't know what the age of it is. It's, you don't notice it because she's just like more of a grown up than we are. Yeah, I just kind of hit it off when she's like, she, oh, she's really lovely. And her mom was lovely. I was like, oh, she's cool. And I really liked her stuff. She's like, she was clearly like she was the real mm. deal. Like a beautiful lyrics and a lovely kind she of She really has a real good grasp over her sound. I'm like, oh, yeah. Just listening even, even, to her stuff. I, even at that stage, I was like, man, she's legit. Mm. I, fuck, I hope that goes well because yeah. it would be cool to have like a young female artist from with her life experiences from Ireland making music. Yeah. And I, like I was obviously kind of rooting for it. And then she ended up Tommy was going to make her record a debut album and then obviously me and Tommy are mates so it's like well I'll come play drums on it so it's okay so I did that and it was like really casual did a bunch of drums on a couple of days did the drums and then it went really well and we really got to know Brad even better and really hit it off it's like man she's amazing she's these songs are so beautiful like I think I said it to her then it's like I'd love to play these songs with you like we're not doing anything now we're not mm. I don't, I'm not in a band I'm so I just said it, and she was like, she was at the time, I was like, oh, this would be great, like, cool. But if it didn't happen, fine. At least I got to play on a really beautiful album. And then a couple of months later, or a couple of weeks later, it might have been, one of our managers called and said, like, let's do this. If we're going to tour this, it's going to have to have a band with it. And Bridie loves you guys, and the record sounds great, and what do you think? So then it was me and Tommy. So it just felt like an extension of the record. And then Brilliant. the album came out. It was so natural and so just mm. easy. And obviously, Tommy and me had spent, I don't know how long, like seven years as, as roommates on tour with villagers. So we became very close. Mm. <laughs> Often sharing beds, very close, kind of. <laughs> so we became really tight. And we kind of, we had we had very similar sensibilities and sense of humor and uh, like lots. And our, like our, our wives are friends and our neighbor, like he's little kids. Our families are really close. So we became like really good mates. And I knew touring with him again would be a joy. And I knew Bridie was this amazing human being. And I wanted to be around her and be like, play these songs every night. And, yeah. and, and from there, it just gradually went on and on. And I mean, we're still playing with her. And we have another, another girl, Sophie, playing with us now. who's in the band. who's amazing. She's from, uh, from, the, keys from the UK. She plays keys and bass and <laughs> sings. And she's like, just the look, like the, such a nice, human to be it's amazing she's and amazing were, and she's so you, talented as well you were meant to be supporting Sinead O'Connor in Belfast on the 7th of yeah June. I forgot about that sorry okay. <laughs> well when was that meant to be in June or something it's meant to be it, like I was looking up on the on the thing last night and it was saying that there was like no no announcement that it's been postponed or cancelled yet so you never know well yeah well fingers crossed so that would be a pretty good gig to start (laughs) back into playing with yeah incredible so she would be a person to like to meet and to see what she'd be like in person i i i know people who work with her and she she's lovely yay oh thank god she's (laughs) had like real ups and downs in her life but Mm. she's come out of it 
I think, and again, I, I met her, but people, I know people who work with her, so she's just like, yeah, she's just underneath everything. She's just like still a lovely lady and, mm. and obviously incredibly talented, but just like pure, pure talent. Mm. And, and it's still there. And her, so she's made some incredible music in her life. So the fact that she's still playing is a, is a gift. And the fact yeah. that she's, you know, still wants to do it. And I like, I love, I, I love Sinead O'Connor. I love her music. So, um, I, it would be great if that happened. I'd love, I'd love that happen actually. Yeah. Fingers crossed on that actually. <laughs> that would be so great. And like, yeah. especially after, like you got, are you, how do you have many festivals lined up? Cause last year you played Glastonbury, which was, we did Glastonbury last year, which was, like, oh, that might've been the fun. best gig we ever did. I think. What, what I was, I watched, I watched a good, uh, a good portion of it. And cause there's the one, it was on the BBC one had it yeah. on their, on their player. And it's a fantastic gig. Like it's, you're all so really, into that, it. Yeah. The energy on the stage is, we were so, and the thing is we were so tired because we'd just flown in from, <laughs> we'd had that week this is like rock star life but we'd we'd just come home we'd been in the states on tour we flew home to the body and soul festival the previous weekend and then we flew back to the states the next day so we came home to ireland for two days flew back to the states to do this tv thing and then we flew home on the thursday and we i think we played glassbury on the friday so i think i think we should flew straight to glassbury if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember, but basically we'd been, we were really jet lagged and really yeah. tired and really kind of zonked. And then we played and it was really sunny and whatever mood, I don't know. We were just kind of in a jolly mood and we just played. Like a, yeah, kind of. It felt really kind of, we felt kind of dazed. And then when, the minute we got on stage, we killed it. We played really, really well. And like, we were looking at each other like, oh, <laughs> turns out touring intensely helps you play good. So we played really well. And then we got to hang out with some friends afterwards and like I got to meet the Idols guys properly and then the Fontaine lads were there and uh, a bunch of other friends were just backstage and I almost got to talk to Cat Power but I got too nervous. And then we oh, left. And then no. We left that night. Like Bridie stayed down with her, with her friends that weekend but me, Tommy and, and uh, Rory and, and our, our crew guys, we, we left. So it felt like a daze. It almost felt like it didn't happen. And then the next day we flew home and I was like in the space of seven or eight days, we'd been all over the world. And, and I just remember that gig being like, wow, this is really special. This is like, this is mm. another beautiful moment of my life. And I want to remember every bit of it. And then when I look back at the recording, I just look really tired. Start to I look really dead. Tired well, at all. Like yeah. I, when I was watching, I thought you guys all looked really into it. Like you all. Like, oh no, we were into it. We're just tired, just tired yeah. into it. But, and just, I think we were kind of giddy on stage. So we were just laughing and having fun and like just having the crack and taking the piss. And I think people, I think that people can see that when we're around each other as well, that we just, we just really love being around each other. And, and, yeah. and it, it, I think, it, I hope it comes through on stage that we have that kind of bond. And um, yeah, I feel really, really blessed to do that because it's again, similar to village. It's like playing music with some of my best mates. And yeah. It's crazy because every day I'm like, how am I doing this? <laughs> like, how, how have I gone away with this but, for so long? What gets me is that, like, besides doing all this and, like, playing with your mates and going on tour and having, like, yeah. you, you have your own music label as well that you have released yeah. other people's music, like James Vincent McFarrow and yeah. Girl Band and Jet Setter. Like, yeah. Uh, for, so, a question, I was looking back through it, through it, right, and I was looking at James Vincent McFarrow album, the Rising Water album. Was that you guys? No, no, no. God, no. Okay. I was like, 
because like like james is one of my my very very good mates mm. and we've been friends for a long long time and and we almost started like kind of properly in music in like 07 08 kind of time um together yeah the, the voting album was time. so young like on your on the yeah. any other city yeah, so uh, it's like uh, the only the only thing I've released by James is a single. I've only put out one limited edition seven inch single oh. uh, by him, and um, Red Dust is the name of the song. And mm. um, but like we we known each other, like we met each other through our girlfriends and our wives who were friends. And when they we met each other, like I think like Wendy, my wife is like knows Emma, his wife, and they're like, oh, I just met a new guy. He's a musician. His name's James. He's got a beard. Da, 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 da. And it's like that's crazy. When when we met finally, I kind of I I'd only heard his music a tiny bit, and I'd like I knew his incredible voice and stuff. But when we met, it turns out we had lots in common. Like we were both like mad about hip hop and like weird punk music and emo and sports and like real similar sense of humor. And we just like fuck. How did we not know each other before this? This is crazy. Yeah. And then he was just starting out, and he was like on the kind of first steps to trying to do stuff and i just like we got like super friendly and, and i kind of just realized man this this guy really he really wants this to work and he's working really hard and he's really talented and i hope this happens for him um as you do with all your mates you just root for them and then yeah. he went to london and i can remember i went over to stay with them for a little while in london and we just as friends do trying to start yourself out in music and then he uh he he had, like, I think he had his publishing at that stage, but I can remember he, all, he was almost about to get record deals and stuff, and it was, stuff was almost happening, and then it didn't. And it, I was kind of eating at him, and I could see in his mind, he's like, oh, man, fuck this. I just want to make a record. I'll do it, do it myself. And, and he did, and it was amazing. It was like his first record did so well, and it was just him doing it. Yeah. Because uh, he, he just was sick of waiting around and sick of waiting mm. on the industry, and he believed in himself. And I, so, I really admire him for that. I, I don't say this to him all the time because <laughs> you don't say that to your friends. It's weird. But, like, <laughs> you know, he knows how I feel. I'm like, I'm, I'm really, he's really inspirational the way he kind of just took the reins of his life and said, I want to do this. Yeah. And, and he made the record he wanted to make and then he, he owned it and they put it, him and his manager, they put it out and it became a huge deal. <laughs> and every step of the way through his career, it's been him calling the shots. Yeah. And, and, and it's, that's something to really admire how he's navigated himself in the music industry and again another dude that's just always been a really good dude and really good guy and um and then, yeah he, we, the, the red dust thing was just oh. i just wanted to put a single there and it's like he'd like my label and my label is this cool little thing i said let's put a single here bam with what what it's what's, what's it going to cost me i know i'm going to sell them all because yeah. it's you and your shit's good so put it out and they all sold out and they're like really like rare and limited edition and i just wanted everything the label did to be really cool and if i found something i like i wanted to put it out for the sake of putting it out mm. which is not the way you should run a business <laughs> but, but the, like the stuff you did with girl band yeah very intuitive like the way yeah. the albums presented and everything like it well, just... well with with those guys it was they're they're almost in a weird way the label almost felt like it existed but i kind of was like why does it exist really in the grand scheme of things what's the point of this label and then when i kind of just like met her i was like oh this is the point of the label you this guys why, are the reason this is why it needs to have existed like the villages thing was cool but that would have probably happened anyway james just a friend the other few bands i put stuff out by early like a uh, new amusement who were this brilliant band that didn't that kind of stopped because they were like they were all like really qualified like scientists and stuff so they're like actually being a band 
bit of a pain in the ass. And then yeah. another band called, called Hired Hands I released, who are a beautiful kind of Bell and Sebastian type band. And that didn't really work out. And they've all gone on to do like, they're all like really trained, smart people. And then another band called Hello Moon, who I released to a, a record I love. It's like kind of a dream pop album. And then they kind of moved. Like life gets in the way. You want to do yeah. stuff. You, you're So it, it felt like at that stage, the label is just, it feels like a vanity project. I'm just doing it to do it. And kind of felt down on myself. But then when I met the girl band guys, I felt like this if this label doesn't put their music out, this band might not happen or yeah. something like that. And this needs to happen. And the band, this label is here for this reason. This is the complete, they're the exact band I want on the label. They're the re- they're, if, if the label's remembered for anything in its time, it'll be the fact that the first few girl band things came out because they're, I still think they're the most important band from Ireland for the last like 30 years. That's like a sweeping statement, but I genuinely feel that. I think well, why that is your reasoning behind it? I just think musically and what the impact they've had on music, both here and worldwide, over the last five, six, seven, eight years, is testament to that and the, how how influential they are just to musicians. I mean, they're not the biggest band in the world or whatever. Not, like they don't sell out stadiums, but from a musician's point of view, the kind of colors they paint with, the kind of music they make, has had such an impact. Mm-hmm. And and I felt I feel still to this day like I'm so glad that the label existed that yeah. I got to put their music in because I helped in some small way. Because I mean, they're 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 special because they're special. Mm-hmm. The fact that the label was able to give them the space to figure it out for the first four or five years before they moved on to Rough Trade, before they put their yeah. record out first album, out, those first few singles, the time it took for them to kind of figure it what they wanted to sound like, I, I, I the label kind of afforded them that space, and then I mean, like I don't think I made back <laughs> any money on any other releases. Now that I think about it, but maybe one, but like crazy stuff like let's package it a certain way and everybody yeah, is going to lose money knitted, like some parts of the sleeves and, and fucking stitched sleeves and stuff that's not commercially but it's, smart it's, but, but the thing it's made you it's made the band unique and it's made the band memorable like yeah yeah i, I mean the, the the band is the band is the band because they're just the most amazingly talented ambitious guys the four mm-hmm. of them are just like virtuoso musicians but just so curious and so they're never comfortable they always want to push what they're doing and i could see that like when i met them first they were kind of all over the shop but i was like man there's something amazing here this band is so feels so fully formed and they're so young and anything i said to them like let's i'll put your record out i've had this little like yeah cool and i i I kind of said like i believe in this kind of diy thing that our art comes first that the what inspired me and they're like absolutely that's totally what we want to do and and I think, I hope, I think that rubbed up on them, the way to act, the way, how important the aesthetic is, how important their, you know, the art of their music is versus what it gets you. And I think that stuck with them. I think they had it in them already anyway. That's just how they thought. And really, really inspiring guys to be around. And yeah, I genuinely feel like that's going to be the, that if that's the one page, one paragraph that's ever written on my label is like Irish indie label, Lost a ton of money. Put it, put put out first girlband releases. Did something important, and that was yeah. it. And that and that's and since then, I mean, I put out um the Jet Setter releases, which again another really amazing band that just didn't it just didn't happen. It just bands. It's really hard to keep bands together. Let me tell mm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, but their stuff was great too. And then I just put out um 
released by The Clack last summer, which was um, or last year, which was Al from Girl Band's Side Project, which is one of the best singles of last year. You should check it out. The Clack. I, I, I the love clack. that song. C-L-A-Q-U-E. Um, and then there's st- other stuff I'm going to put out in, in the future. And I'm sure I want to keep the label going for, for, for releases sake, but that girl band moment was like, yeah, I'm, I'm super proud that that the label well, did that. It seems like sure. all like from the records you brought out that like everyone that you have in to any other cities records, you really nurture their talent and you really kind of like you, you let them grow. You help them grow into the artists that they really want to be like, like you're talking about these people you've had in and every single one of them you've mentioned has done something that's kind of like you're saying it's like oh yeah and then we did this and they grew into this artist it's like you take them all in like in their little seedlings and then you make them into yeah. a flower and then well, send them on the be road. honest a lot of that is very is, it may look that way but it's very hands-off that has to come from themselves to be honest all mm-hmm. i can do really is say like i want to put your record out and give it my i want people to know that james likes this yeah. I want people to know that any other city thinks this is cool and if that carries anything brilliant if it doesn't fine but i'm still I'll put money up. I'll pay to get mm. this pressed because I believe in it and I, I love it. And then the rest is up to you guys. Be yeah. really good. Keep improving and, and f- grow and flourish in whatever way you want. But I'm not going to be like making you make decisions just to make money. Yeah. That's the thing. It was never kind of, they had an idea. Let's do it because mm-hmm. the ideas are good. And, and like whatever way the releases ended up looking like with the Gurban stuff or whatever, like, like exotic packaging and, weird ideas or like we put out a, we put out like a, a a flexi disc which is like a really cheap way of pressing a record on plastic which basically sounds terrible and runs out like you can only play it a bunch of times without it sounding really terrible but we package it in these beautiful boxes we stamp the box it was a complete art over commerce move just to, for the set for the aesthetic only because mm. the song was only 25 seconds long it was it was almost like this kind of conceptual thing but i loved doing that and I love the fact that when we put it out, people loved it. And they're like, this is really beautiful. This is great. Mm. This means something. This means this shows that the band put their time into it. Stands for something. And that's and, and that the label stands for something. And that that that's that lasts a lot longer than money. Although money is great, but you you, it does you, last realize, longer. you realize that like you could play it really safe and probably make your money back and not really leave any kind of impact long term, or go the other route and try and make an impact. Try and inspire people. I mean, a label should inspire people. Like the way I work, I hope is inspiring in some way to some of the bands I work with or whoever. For that reason alone, any other cities have been uh, hugely successful. Yeah. Like for for Artec, it's been it's been a brilliant success mm-hmm. because of what it's put out there. Before we do our Desert Island list to wrap ourselves yeah. up, is there anything that you want to shout out? Anything that you want to give out there to the public? Any bands you want to mention? Anything that you're oh, up yeah. to at the moment that you want to mention? Yeah. Obviously, Pillow Queens that I work with. So I manage Pillow Queens who yeah. are... Fantastic. Incredible, <laughs> incredible band. Like they're just, so good. I'm so... I'm random all the time. I'm, I'm, I've been working with them a couple of years now, so I'm so immersed in their music. It, it's it's very obvious to me that they're really special but for people who've never heard them i was like wow this is amazing it's like yeah no <laughs> of course they're it is. so good they're incredible so and they're 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 an example of a band that they kind of came together out of other bands kind of again not like 17 18 they're got like in their mid to late 20s wanted to make music with their friends are doing it for the right reasons just happened to be incredibly talented just happened to be like four like four of the like 
the hardest working women I've ever been around, hardest working people. They're like they're they they want to rep their community, so they're all like kind of coming from like the underground kind of I guess you call it the queer punk community in Dublin. That's the scene they kind of came from, and then they kind of got together, formed the band, uh, for fun. But it was really good, so it was like, yeah. well, fun's not enough. You can actually do stuff. So they've toured a bunch, put out some amazing singles, amazing videos. They put really good stuff out into the world. Their album is amazing. It's just a beautiful, beautiful record. It's nearly finished, and it's it's a it's a really beautiful album. It's I'm a really beautiful really du- Dublin album. So there's lots of songs about Dublin. There's lots of songs that touch on it. They're very much you can hear in the way they sing. They're from this city, and and. The part, why I want to be involved is obviously I want to I want them to succeed, but I want to feel like I'm playing a part in getting their opinion, their viewpoint, their experiences into the world. Because it's maybe not something that the, the Irish gay voice in indie music yeah. isn't as prevalent, and especially from like like an all female band. And it's not just for, it's not like a, a science experiment. It's because I love the band and I love their music. Mm-hmm. But part of it is like I really want to help forward this and, and move this on and i want them being asked questions about Ireland. i want them i want their opinions to be heard and yeah they're so they're like whip smart and they're fucking funny as anything and like real fucking dirty minds on them and they're just everything i really i really love being around them they're so funny and they're just make they like stop your heart kind of music they've, 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 they've i was just listening to mixes of the record last night when i should have been sleeping but i was listening to it like back what I think the record kind of run like and there's one song that's just got there's a line in it about um kind of like they're from kind of North Dublin so Pam uh, who sings on this song it's kind of she wrote the words I guess about North Dublin Bay and the area of Dublin she's from and it's the most it's one of the most beautiful love songs I don't know if you even know if it's a love song about where she's from in North Dublin or the, the Dublin Bay but just the way she phrases it and the way they play it and sing it and the harmonies it just is like, this is one of the most beautiful songs I think I've ever heard. And it's on my phone. And this is a band I work with. And this is like, how, have I, how am I here? How is yeah. this my life that I get to be part of this? And every day, every week, every month, there's something like that happens in my life that makes me still want to do this. So, and, and I kind of need that. I need to be re-energized sometimes and fueled. And the, the, the Pillow Queens are doing it for me. And, and it's like, this is, I feel so lucky to do it. This is it. This is what it is. It, this is making it in music. Making it in music is waking up in the morning and thinking, oh my God, this is my job. This yeah, is great. And, or, this is like, something I can hopefully, I can hopefully do enough to keep doing this outside. Yeah. Like this, if I was smarter, not smarter, but if I was more careerist, I would have made different choices and I'd probably be twice as wealthy, but like, like 1% as happy, you know? And I, yeah. I, I think that's what I that's I feel like that's my job that's my role in Dublin and in Ireland in music if I have one is Support. to just be that and be positive and be the guy people go to to ask what's good in the city or what's cool or what's going on I'm able to say like check this out check that out so like there's a bunch in the city at the moment there's obviously the hip-hop scene is amazing there's um uh, the, the guys actually Nick he used to be in Bim, Sick Nanley and he's yeah. like a uh, burner records it's like a little below the radar but it's really no, he, I had um, had on PDF Pocket Hole a couple of weeks ago and he did okay. a show with Sig Nandley only about a week after the the thing and it was fantastic. Like You know, it's, it's uh, good Yeah, stuff. he's brilliant. He's so like, good. Like uh, 
D- Dylan, like Wastefellow, I think mm-hmm. he's a bit of a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like obviously singer song like you know Maria Kelly who was in your, your guys Maria class. Kelly will actually be on the Making Your Music she's podcast this so, week everybody I think she's one of the best songwriters we've produced in this country in so long she's fantastic and I, she, she's getting close to getting her I guess what's going to be her big record or whatever her statement her whatever she's, she's writing at the moment her, her songs get better and better um, there's like some really good metal bands in the country at the moment. There's some really, really good punk stuff. There's, um, oh man, I don't want to forget anybody. There's, um, there's a band in BAM at the moment who I love uh, called Nice Try. I think they might be my favorite band in college at the moment. Like they're, they're my students. They're kind of like, all the students are great. Let me clear, like everyone's talented, but Nice Try make kind of beautiful, kind of a poppy, um, kind of poppy but naughty, kind of shoegazy music. And I think they're they're really they mean a lot to me. They're really beautiful. Songs. So yeah. if people were to find yourself on like social medias and stuff, it's any other city records on Facebook anyway. Yeah, I don't. To be honest, I don't social really use medias. Facebook. I'm like really bad. The best thing to get is just on Twitter at any other city. To wrap it all up, your yeah. desert. I'm gonna. So there's a helicopter outside about to bring you to an cool. I- self isolation island, um, yeah. away from the pandemic, and you have five albums or songs that you can bring. I'll go with albums because I, I need, because I'm on the desert island. I need like I'm trying to think. Um, so first record I I I pick obviously because it inspired me to maybe start the label and it gave me the name for my label. It's uh, the one and only album by a band called Life Without Buildings, okay. who are a uh, Scottish kind of uh, post punk band from the late '90s, um, and their album was called Any Other City. So that was uh, it was put out by a kind of offshoot label from Rough Trade Records. And they were a band that didn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they put out, well, I, that, that's a lie. They put out that record. They toured. They, they made incredible music. It's not for everybody. It's kind of a, it's a tough listen because of the kind of music they make. But if you like, if you like the fall or you like kind of post-punk music, but imagine the fall, but with like a hyperactive female singer. Um, so Sue, the singer in the band, is like a, she's now like a performance artist. But I remember hearing it and feeling like wow this is my band this feels like how is this band not changing everyone's lives I, and i saw i was so lucky i got to see them the one time they played in dublin and it was in aim endurance in like 1999 or something and there was maybe six people there and i saw it and it, it changed my life it made me want to still do music because at that point i was like fuck music maybe yeah it's too hard and and it's not going anywhere and I, nothing sounds good and then i heard that and i felt like wow this is amazing. This is so special. This is what the power of music. So, Life Without Buildings. Uh, it's available to buy on vinyl. You can buy it now. It's been reissued. It's definitely on uh, Spotify and stuff. And you'll see what I mean. It's a, it's a, maybe it's a weird listen for some people, but get into it and stay with it, and you'll, you'll grow to love it. And actually, some of the greatest lyrics I've ever heard. So, number one, definitely Life Without Buildings. Um, number two would be uh, probably the second or third album i'd say second album by a band called outcast from atlanta they had a record called at aliens which was their second album and it came out in 96 showing my age here but uh, i can remember when i first heard the record first heard the the first single from it and um, called elevators uh, another kind of life-changing moment of i'd never heard music like that i'd never heard it sounds so something that sounded so modern but also so futuristic 
and they're, I think they're my two favorite rappers, or two of my favorite rappers in the group. And um, that album is just from start to finish. They're, in fact, their first five records are perfect. They never put out a bad album as a group, but that album in particular really hit me. And I'd need, I'd need, I'd need to bring some hip hop with me. And mm -hmm. it's so hard to choose because I could choose of multiple albums from that kind of time period, kind of mid 90s, when I really loved hip hop so, as much as I did. But that AT Aliens, because of, of how fresh it still sounds, it sounds mm. like it was made yesterday. And I think they're genius artists. I think they're like our generation's Stevie Wonder or like, like artists of that kind of level. Sanconi is their fourth record, and that's amazing. Their, their third album um, called Aquemini um, is, from a musical point of view, is an amazing soul album, amazing musical kind of, I don't know what the word is, like kind of collage of beautiful sounds with some of the best rapping you will ever hear. Stanconia is amazing. It's another mm. amazing record. And Love Below Speaker Box, it's very bloated, but it's bloated for a good reason because there's so mm. much good music on it. Um, any like outcasts like i just sing their Bring praises them. all day long but at aliens hit me that was a very important record when i was young okay um, so that's two third the third record um i go further back in time i guess um like way way back in time um would be it's not necessarily an album but it's like just a collection by hank williams like a country and western singer from the 40s and 50s like the 40s early 50s uh um, he died young, sadly, but he's my favorite. He's my favorite singer ever. Yeah. He's my favorite songwriter ever. Um, I'm named my son after him. Um, so he, he, I love Hank Williams' music. I love its sparse simplicity. And, and it shows me that when you hear everything, every, every piece of music I hear in the world, I always reference it to Hank Williams' music, even if it sounds nothing like it. Does it have the same simplicity and purity of message is lyrically is it as good does it move me as much yeah and and because it's so the music is so sparse but it doesn't need anything else and it shows when you blow the record out and add a million things and you completely dilute the record for no reason mm. just go back to the simplicity of someone like Hank Williams so I, I'd need that in my life because it, it's a discipline for my brain my ears so definitely a Hank Williams record it, like one of his original albums but it's probably better to kind of a, a collection yeah whatever compilation that's best in best nick with the, the, the songs i love so the hank williams for sure um i would need something by nina simone for sure because i love nina simone so much um so oh my goodness a no. nina simone album i'd have to have a think of the one i'd need at the, for different moods maybe something super jazzy something kind of more soulful so yeah, I like Anina Simone album because she's like she's my favorite uh, like female vocalist yeah. ever. I, I really really love her stuff, and and it's music that's and I play it for my son all the time. It feels like it's like food for your soul or something. It is it's good, good for your brain. It's yeah. It, it's it's like reading an amazing book or going to an art gallery or something, just listening to her music, mm -hmm. listening to the way she interpreted music, and then I probably. I'd probably, if I had to bring one final record, um, I'd want to bring two, but I, if I couldn't bring one, I'd probably bring, um, there's a record by uh, Art Blakey and Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. Uh, it was like a, a jazz drummer from the 50s and 60s and a band leader. And he's a record called Monin, which is, it's probably the record people know most by him. He's another album called Mosaic, 
but I'd probably bring Ronan because it's my son's favorite album, um, and he'd probably be with me on the desert islands. So I'd bring that. But it's uh, like jazz in general. For a lot of people who don't listen to jazz music, and I'm not going to claim to be an expert, it's very difficult to get into jazz because you think of it as a genre, and it's mm. hard to like pick someone buy a record and now you're not making a mistake or you're buying like the wrong one of their albums because they put out so many. So I kind of, I really loved jazz when I was younger and then I kind of fell out of it a little bit. And then in the last four or five years, since, since I had my son really, I, I, I kind of wanted to play it for him because I think it's like the best music to play for kids because it's instrumental, a lot of it. Yeah. And there's so much color and light and humans playing it and the way it's recorded that it's it, it gets them curious about music mm. so the way i started i went back all the all the cds i had i went back to buy them all on vinyl and i just stuck with our blakey records as a kind of first point because he was such a good band leader and he always had such a good a and r eye for musicians and ear for musicians his band was always the best players at the time and they'd cycle through his band and more people would come he was obviously the constant yeah. but he'd have like some of the best musicians ever would play with them so you know, you knew if you were buying an Art Blakey record that it's going to sound great. He's an incredible drummer, like one of the greatest drummers. And for a jazz drummer, it's not all about soloing and playing a million notes. The way he swings, the way the kind of pulse of his playing as a drummer is incredibly inspiring. As someone, I can't play jazz well at all because I'm technically not good enough. But when I hear him playing, it makes me want to drum. And he just had the most, you could tell he was always smiling when he played. There was a joy in his playing. And again, with that particular record, that lineup of the band, uh, Lee Morgan was a trumpet player, this incredible trumpet player who's well-known well in jazz circles, but just an amazing life force the way he played. Um, Benny Goldson was the guy that played saxophone on it, another really beautiful musical kind of lyrical saxophonist. Um, Bobby Timmons, who wrote a bunch of the tracks on the record, actually, the arrangements, this beautiful piano player lovely lightness of touch, mm -hmm. jazz piano, but really lovely. And then uh, Jamie Merritt was the bass player. And, and all five of them were incredible musicians. But the way they played together, it's one of the, the best jazz albums, I think, ever because yeah. of that. Because it's really, it's not one, it's not like a Miles Davis record where he leads, everybody follows, and then everyone plays around him. It's all about the soloist. It's all about the leading musician. Even though it was Art Blakey's band, it's not about the drums at all. Yeah. At all. And for a band leader to have that kind of humility in his playing and generosity, it, that's just how he plays. And that's why I love, I have about 10 Art Blakey records. So Outcast yeah. Record, Hank Williams, Life Without Buildings, um, Nina Simone and Art Blakey. That's pretty good. That's I'd be happy very, with that. That's a nice round collection you've got there. Yeah. Well, look, cool. everybody, thank you so much for listening in to the Making It Music podcast. And if you're watching us here on YouTube, hope I dressed well enough for you today. <laughs> um, but thank you guys so much for coming. Uh, absolutely chuffed to have more and more listeners every single week you can find us on instagram um, and facebook and making in music youtube making it in music make sure you check out uh, james on twitter at any other city thank you yeah thank you so much thanks to dublin school music for always helping us out and sponsoring the podcast have a fantastic week and make sure you check in with us later in the week because we're going to have maria kelly on the show for a lovely interview about what she's been up to recently so thank you very much and we'll see you later james have a Thanks, fantastic brother. day. Bye, bye, bye.